appreciate all your effort on our behalf. You can see tonight's message is God looks at the heart, and the scriptures can be found for Samuel uh, 16 and Acts 13 as we look in a moment at those passages of scripture. Quite uh, quickly, when I look at what God does in the scripture, he does four things. And I think he tries the heart, he sees the heart, he refines the heart, and he searches the heart. When you look at that, God is in the business of looking at people's hearts, sifting through people's hearts, changing people's hearts, and then constantly searching their hearts for the intent and what they want to do. We look at 1 Samuel 16, 7, and it said, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at an outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Here recently, as I've been doing different studies, I keep coming back to David. And, you know, it's sort of like, haven't I already looked at this, Lord? (laughs) And it's uh, illustrations and, and points and messages. And this passage specifically, as we looked you know, recently we looked at David, his series, and, and the giant. Uh, but I just keep coming back. I don't know. God does what God does. And so I came back to, it, to this as well as the New Testament. You'll see in a minute. Uh, and in both the Old Testament and New Testament, you, you see the word heart over and over again. And it refers to the center of an individual's mental, emotional, and spiritual being. It is, you know, put another way, it's the innermost part of man. At least the scripture sees it that way. And, and I think the heart reflects who the real person is. Now, obviously, you know, it's not the, the shape that you and I think of a heart. And it's not the thing that pumps the blood. But it, it's that part of a person who is that person. Who makes up who that person is. Uh, you, you can't deny, I think also in the scripture, that the mind and the heart are connected. Uh, you, you see the heart knows what is good and bad. The heart can understand. The heart can reflect. The heart can remember. Uh, you look in the scripture and you see the heart, it has emotions. And they are connected as well. The heart is, at least in the scripture, uh, seen as the, the heart of joy. It's seen as the place of courage, of pain, anxiety, despair, sorrow, fear. You see that over and over again. You see the heart as it connects to your spiritual life in the scripture. It, it refines the heart, the Bible says, God does, and the word does. It searches the heart. Scripture makes it clear, I think, that a person can have an evil heart. They can have a godless heart. Uh, they can ignore God. Uh, and even, sadly enough, they can ha- have a what the scripture calls a perverse and deceitful heart. Uh, the scripture indicates that it can deceive themselves as well as others. And as you know from Pharaoh, you can even harden your heart. So in the scripture, you, you really get a picture of what it is. But gratefully, you can also have a clean heart. You can, you can have a heart that is a new heart. That is born from above, born anew. In Acts 13.22, the Bible says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 
you look at that, and I think, as you see, as I say, to understand David as a person, there are two basic questions that need to be asked and answered. And they are, what was David's view of God and what was God's view of David? What was the idea of him from the scriptures? Uh, you read the Psalms, and there is a unique, rich source of answers for that question. Why? Well, many people believe that David wrote at least 73 of these poetic verses. So you have an insight to how he thought, how he, how he expressed uh, his love for God and what he thought about God, his theology about God, his praise for God, his anguish to God, his you know, anger sometimes toward God. All of that is expressed in these some 73 psalms that he wrote. And I think it communicates David's view of God and, I think, God's view of David. As you sort through those, and we'll look at some of those tonight, uh, of who David was. First of all, what was David's view of God? I think as you look at the Psalms, practically, every Psalm David penned gives us insights, ideas, attitudes, feelings about God. Consequently, I think that it will highlight for us this first question as we think about what was David's view of God. Let me give you some things, and then we'll look at, we'll look at that second question. First of all, I think he saw him as an omnipotent creator. When I look at what David penned, I think you see uh, in his words that David viewed God as all-powerful. There's no question of that. Several David's Psalms focus exclusively on God's creative power. And as you listen to David, he often talks about God's splendor, his majesty, his grandeur, the mysteries of nature, and everything that God has created. David's view of God's creative power in, in nature, it, it generates praise and wonder and awe as he looks at what God has created. And it, it makes David... I think, lead us into worship of the heart. As you look through the Psalms, you discover Psalm 19 and Psalm 29. If you can read those later, are examples of those kinds of Psalms where we see David expressing the majesty of God in creation. Now, he's his omnipotent power. I think, secondly, David uh, shows that God is omniscient. He's the omniscient God. David viewed God as all-knowing what omniscience means he recognized that that god knew everything about him nothing was hidden in david's life from god and so he saw him as omniscient every detail of his heart his actions at any given moment were open to god and his view of david look at the first verses of psalm 139 1 through 6 we'll look at that oh lord you have searched me and known me you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me Behind and before, you've laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. 
I think in that Psalm 139, we get the picture of the omniscience of God. You know all about me, everything, behind, before, before before I even say a word, before even a word is on my tongue, you already know the word I'm going to say, before I do. And so it shows, I think, David's theology about God and his omniscience and that he knew everything and knows everything about you as well as he knows that about David. I think thirdly, there is the omnipresent God that he talks about. David not only viewed him as omnipotent and omniscient, but omnipresent in that he was everywhere, present everywhere. In other words, there was no place that David could go that God was not already there. The good news is that, that God could guide him if he was already there. He could protect him. He could comfort him. And he could search out his heart. I don't think David expressed it in a, oh my gosh, I can't get away from God, so much as he recognized that God could provide for him because God was already there and knew what was going to happen and could make a way for him. Psalm 139, 7 through 10, you go on in that same passage, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in, in, in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. Remember, I've told you over and over again that the right hand is the powerful hand in the scripture. His right, righteous, omnipotent hand, it's, that's the hand of power that... There's no place that God is not. And because there's no place God is not, he can protect me everywhere. Everywhere I am in his hand. I'm held by his power. I think also, fourthly, David looked at this idea that the God of loving concern, I'll express it that way, seeing God's power in nature, I think, led David to appreciate more fully God's love and concern for mankind. Because God was so concerned about man, I mean, as David expressed it, all of this he knew about God was because God loved man. It wasn't that God exerted his power, omnipotent, just to exert his power, but he exerted his power to love mankind. He created this earth and all that was in it. He knows all about man, He's everywhere that man is because he cares for man. And so I think that comes out in David's thought is that God loves mankind. And the fact that that God gave human beings a certain degree of authority and control over the natural creation. I mean, go back to Adam and Eve and design them to do that. That was their purpose. I think that overwhelmed David. And I think it's expressed in Psalm 8 verses 3 through 6. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? I mean, what am I compared to a galaxy? I'm a speck. I'm a a, a moat. I'm, I'm a piece of dust. And yet, God is not concerned so much of the galaxy as he is about me and you. His concern for us, for God so loved the world. Not that he loved a galaxy, B-17, 8, out on some foreign backside that I can barely now see through a telescope. But he cared about us. And that blows David's mind. 
and the Son of Man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. And that's what God designed us to care for his creation. Now, of course, Adam and Eve messed that process up, but that does not negate or take away what God initially designed for our purpose. It's still in play. And David recognizes that, and he he sees that this God of loving concern and all of the galaxies and all of the things that are wondrous to us that overwhelm us and that we can't imagine. I mean, you know, I can't see all the star systems that David could see. I mean, it was dark back then. You could see stars. I can't. It's washed out here, you know, in the city. I can't see anything. Uh, I'd have to go to Colorado or get in the mountain or something to be able to see as much as David could see. But, but when you have seen the pictures of the telescopes and all that is creation, And then we go down to the now microscope and look at the smallness of creation and how it's just as amazing. And God gave man dominion over all of it. He placed that in our hands. That is amazing and it shows God's concern for us. Fifthly, I think... The, the God of faithfulness and holiness and righteousness is exhibited in David's writings. I think the vastness of the universe that we talked about is, is amazing. But it reminds David of God's personal attributes. And he wrote this in Psalm 36. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and the beast. When he's trying to compare the vastness of, of God's faithfulness, holiness, and righteousness. And he uses what he sees, the, the vastness of the heavens, the, the, the clouds and their faithfulness in, in bringing rain that is needed. The, the gigantic mountains that he's familiar with the great depths of the ocean and you preserve man and beast so god is faithful god is holy and god is righteous and those uh, characteristics are exhibited in david's writings as we look at what david thought about god but what was god's view of david how can we interpret that? I think we've, we've looked at David's view of God, but how did God view David? When the Lord looked beyond this young man's outward appearance, we read the passages, he looked at his heart. He didn't look at what he looked, he, the, the Bible called a ruddy youth, you know. Uh, he didn't look at that. He looked at his heart. And what was it that he saw? I think, again, the Psalms give... Uh, some insight and significance to what David's profile is on his inner qualities as he discusses that relationship with God. First of all, I think he has a believing heart. When God looked at David's heart, dug down deep, he saw a heart that believed in his existence. He believed in God. He was not a fool. David was convinced that God existed because he wrote these passages. Psalm 14.1, the fool says there is no God. 
They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. If they think there is no God, they're wrong and they're evil, he says. He says it again in Psalm 53, 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. If it wasn't enough, he said it twice in two different Psalms to, to emphasize the fact that he believed in God. They are corrupt in their ways. They are vile. There is no one who does good. These two Psalms underscore the fact that David believed without a shadow of a doubt that God existed. And that to think otherwise was foolish. When God looked at David's heart on that day, I think he saw him as the king he was going to believe be because I think he believed already in him. To David, any man who denied the existence of God was a fool. Remember, David said over and over again, God delivered me from. When he delivered me from, and he gave the honor to God and belief that God was the one who had been involved in his life in those crucial moments when he needed assistance, he believed in God. Secondly, he had a thankful heart. God also saw that I believe David had a thankful heart, a heart that was totally consumed, overwhelmed, if you will, with God's love and provision. And I think it's reflected in a number of Psalms, but this one I think jumps out at me in Psalm 9-1. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. David writes a psalm, and he writes through that thankfulness that he has in God. You and I should be thankful every day, shouldn't we? I mean, every moment that we have breath, every moment we have life, all the gifts that we have, and even the struggles that we go through, I think we should be thankful to God because he is there for us. David recognized that. David said that in Psalm 9-1. I think thirdly, he had a truthful heart. When I look at David, I see he had a view of, of God that caused him to want to reflect God's character. And I think it's evident in the fact of some of the Psalms he wrote, as in Psalm 15. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteously and speaks the truth in his heart. So, you know, when David writes these things, you know, he's, he's praising God, but he's also, again, revealing what's inside his own heart. And that sense that there needs to be truth in us. So that David had a truthful heart that when he spoke, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should go up against God? There was something in his heart that just had a righteous indignation and had to speak the truth. No, no matter where the chips fell, right? He, he stood up against his brothers. He stood up against the king. He stood up against the other soldiers. He stood up against the Philistines. And he had to speak the truth. There should be a message in that for us that we should speak the truth as well, no matter where the chips fall, no matter who it offends, no matter who may get upset, we still have to speak the truth. There is a God, and he is a certain way, and we should tell people that he's coming back. No, one day he'll judge them based on the fact that they believe in his son or not. We have to speak the truth like David. I think, fourthly, he had an open heart. Uh, David knew God was omniscient. We talked about that. He didn't try to hide that. Uh, for, he didn't try to hide from God. You know, he, he knew God could see him. 
So his heart was open and transparent. There was no need to try to hide anything from God that knew everything. You know the thoughts. We read that before. In Psalm 139, we continue reading verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The straight path, the right path, the good way. Uh, that's what he's trying to say. The things that will last forever, not this temporary stuff that passes away. My anxiousness will not last forever, but you will and your way will. So lead me in that way. And so his heart was open, I, I think, to God. And he was willing to be searched. Sometimes we don't want to discuss things. You'll go up to people, what's wrong? Nothing. You okay? I'm fine. <laughs> We, we know that's not true. We know they're not fine. We know everything's not okay. But they don't want to discuss it right now, do they? Hopefully they'll discuss it with someone and get whatever's on their chest off. But you can't do that with God, can you? God, God is pushing on our heart saying, I want you to be open to me because I can see it already. There's no need to hide from me. I already know. And so we ought to have an open heart and let God search us in all ways. I think David had an expectant heart. David trusted God, and he trusted God to meet all of his needs. I trust God. I don't always know how God's going to answer or when he's going to answer, but I have learned over the period of time that I I just don't worry about it anymore. Sometimes that frustrated people in my family, they would worry for me. Aren't you worried about, no, I'm not. Shouldn't you be, no, I don't think so. Why? Because I trust God. And then there'll be the little eye roll, right? The little doubt, the little confusion, the little sniff or huff or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, you, you asked me why. I'm telling you why. I believe God's going to answer. I believe God's going to take care of this. So I believe we ought to expect in heart. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Remember, that's not what you want, but what you need to want. He'll put within you desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. It's verses like that that I grew up with that taught me that I need to depend on God and be expectant about what he's going to do. Again, I've learned that I, again, don't know when the answer will come at times. Maybe it's later than I would like, but it will come. And I just live with a sense of expectancy that God will, in his own time, answer when he will answer. I think David also had a repentant heart. Look at at verse 51 in a minute. When David sinned against God, he demonstrated a true repentant heart. You see that in Psalm 51. David sought forgiveness because he had failed But yet, God still loved him, and he knew that, and he knew he could repent. Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I'm sure as a king, David met a lot of people who did not have clean hearts, that lied, that cheated, that steal stole from from him and the nation 
I'm sure people tried to impress David in different ways. And yet, David was enough of a real man to know and see honesty and truthfulness. He could tell, like himself, when he was trying to deceive himself or God. And he could tell when other people were doing that. I think a repentant heart helps us to see into the lives of other people as well. When you have been broken and you have seen yourself as a sinner, you can see other people's lives and notice when they're not being honest with themselves either. It's not that I want to condemn them. I want to offer them forgiveness. I want them to understand repentance. And so I need to explain to them. And and I do that by saying, when I was a sinner, and give your testimony, and explain how you received that repentance. That's when people know I think we really care in in the fact that we are willing, like David, to confess when we have been wrong. I think also David showed a humble heart. David, I think because of his sinfulness, knew his limitations. Because he had sinned and had received forgiveness, he knew he had strengths, but he also knew he had weaknesses. When God looked upon David's heart, he saw man with a proper balance and a self-image. There are some things that I cannot do anymore, physically and emotionally. Uh, physically, there's just some limitations. I, I, can't, I can't do some things I used to be able to do. Uh, but I also know that you put me in a room of four and five-year-olds, about ten of them, I can't handle that anymore. Just, I don't have it. I just don't have it anymore. I mean, it's not like I don't love kids. I love my granddaughter. I love kids. But I know my limitations. I really do. Uh, It got to be that when I was in school uh, subbing. It got to a point where I I knew, okay, I've reached my point. I'm I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's not don't love people or like people. It's just I don't have the emotional ability to do that any longer. I, I need help. I need to call on other people to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I, I think David understood his weaknesses. Look at Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. He just understood. He couldn't do it. And he wasn't too proud to say, I don't need to think more of myself. I, I, there's a limit to what I can do. And, I mean, he's king. You, you know, people look to the king and think, you can do anything, right? No, he, David said, I can't. I can't do everything. I recognize I need to be humble. I think David also had a dependent heart. David knew how much he needed God to sustain him. Because his failures, because of his limitations and weaknesses, he knew that he needed to depend on God, and he could not f- fulfill his own responsibilities without the strength of God. You look at Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call you, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. David was dependent upon God. He recognized he needed God's strength. You know, he had skill. I mean, you look at David and he goes against Goliath. You look at him and he fights as a warrior. 
Uh, he does things that are incredible uh, as a warrior compared to the other people of his nation. He was gifted in that ability, but yet he knew there were things he needed God's strength to do. I mean, look at how many people betrayed him over the years. His own children betraying him. And what must that have done to his spirit that he knew that he needed God's strength to help him through those difficult moments in his life. I think lastly, he showed that he had a heart that remembered and cherished God's law. Psalm 40 says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Because David wanted to do God's will in all things, he committed that to memory. And it became part and parcel of who he was. I remember growing up, you know, I was encouraged to, to memorize scripture. You know, you had the, the Bible deal where you, you know, Bible drills, and you, you had to stand up and try to find the Bible passage and, and all that. Uh, I remember I, I had my parents get me one of those things with the edges on them, you know, so I could do it faster, you know. And then they, when you went to the real drill, they didn't let you do that. You know, they had to give you a regular Bible. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to know that. When I got college, I joined a group where we, you know, met every week and we memorized scripture. And I, I was aware enough to know that this was important, that it would change my life if I hid God's word in my heart. I, it was just there. It said that's what I should do. And so that's what I did. I think David did that. You know, you look at David, and he wasn't a perfect man, he didn't, he, but he had a proper view of God, which affected his own heart and caused him to be a person that God could use in spite of his human weaknesses, in spite of them. What about us? What is our view of God? What view do you have? I, I think David's view of God should be our view of God. Review with me. David did some things. He knew some things. He knew that God was omniscient, that God's all-powerful. Um, omnipotent, rather. That he knew that God was omniscient. He, he knew everything. That he was omnipresent, that he was everywhere. That he was a God of loving concern for all mankind, for you, for me, personally. That he was a God of faithfulness. That he was a God of righteousness and his holiness. I, I think David's view should be our view. But also, I think Using David's example, we need to evaluate our own hearts and see if we have a believing heart, a thankful heart, a truthful heart, an open heart, an expectant heart, a repentant heart, a humble heart, a heart that is dependent upon God, and a heart that cherishes his word. Back to 1 Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. May God bless his word in your life tonight. Do you have prayer requests? I mean, we want to remember um, Claude and Tina.